Welcome to the Jesus Famous Youth Teachings Podcast. Our vision is to see Jesus famous in the lives of the youth of our church. We want to see youth have opportunities for them to come to know Jesus in a complete and whole way and be united together in love, and most importantly, strengthened in the moments of discouragement. Jesus Famous Youth meets on Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. and has a middle school program available on Sundays at 11 a.m. Now, let's get into our teaching. So let's get started. We went through all the announcements. You guys can see the flyers in the back or in, uh, in your small groups. Uh, also, you know, as I keep my notes in the back so you guys can follow along, and uh, we'll get started. So Colossians chapter 3 tonight, verses 1 through 4 is what we're going through. Uh, hey, Seth, can you make sure it's up on that keynote there? It's not connecting. All right. Say what? I ruined it? <laughs> I didn't mean to. All right, so we're in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 tonight. So let's get going as, uh, as the night. It's weird. It's getting darker earlier. You know, it's feeling that like fall feeling again. But uh, follow along with me if you're there, verses 1 through 4, okay? He says, Paul says to the Colossians, he says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Verse 3, for you have died, your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, when you also will appear with him in glory. Father, we come before you right now. Thank you for that beautiful time of worship. Thank you for preparing our hearts and minds for your word. Uh, Almost like softening us, God, for what your word has for us tonight as we we just kind of step into this, this real amazing place, God, of saying, God, teach me. Lord, lead me. Spirit, I pray that you would speak through me tonight. Speak to the hearts and minds of these students. Speak way beyond my abilities as a man, God. And so we give you this night. We give you praise in your name. Amen. All right, so as we step into chapter 3, what we find here in verses 1 through 4 is kind of a hinge point between uh, a very ministerial type of Christianity. You know, if you remember chapters 1 and 2 of Colossians, if you haven't listened to those or you weren't around for those teachings, you can go find those at the Jesus Famous Youth Teaching Podcast. Um, We record these teachings, actually, and all the laughter and the inside jokes that if anyone else listens to these, they're going to think we're a bunch of mad, you know, it's a madhouse. But you're going to know what's going on, you know, like when a kid falls asleep or something like that. Um, It's always a lot of fun, you know. So, Anyway, and even the memes. You can't see the memes on a podcast, and, which is always kind of funny to me. But anyway, because my memes are legendary. I know they are, guys. Uh, but what we have here is from a very... Shut up, Ethan. Uh, <laughs> Ethan. Um, he's just over there shaking his head, judging me. Oh, you're going to miss the memes. Oh, I'll miss you, too. Um, all right, so what we have here is this hinge point from a very practical type of Christianity. If you remember, chapters 1 and 2 were a lot of how we trust Jesus, how we trust the gospel, how we trust the, the authenticity, all right, or the, the authentic like, nature of Christ and what this thing called Christianity, um, and how we are to combat or know Jesus so well that, that the, the false, right, the counterfeit, doesn't have any sway with us. 
And as we step into chapters 3 and 4, it's a more, it's a more practical, like, you and me, Jesus type of, of thing that Paul is getting into. Like, what does it mean for you to walk with Jesus? What does it mean for you to, to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus? In essence, kind of like in the book of Mark, chapter 1, where Jesus goes to the disciples and says, says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In essence, this is what Jesus is doing with you and I through chapters 3 and 4 of Colossians. He's saying, will you follow me? Will you let me make you a fisher of men? Will you let me change you and make you a disciple? And so ultimately, the verses 1 through 4 of chapter 3 is like this hinge point between the two where Paul is taking us from a practical understanding of trusting Jesus and trusting who he is and his authenticity, authentic nature, and then moving into a, a personal. We have verses 1 through 4 that brings us to this, this, this real genuine understanding of spiritual life. Like, what does it really mean to be a spiritual Christian? You know, we live in a very secular age, a very secular society, and we, we kind of push the spiritual aside at times. We go, yeah, I, I practically follow Jesus, right? I go to a Christian school. I go to a good Bible-teaching church. I, I have a prayer time. I have a devotional time. I talk about Jesus with my friends. Like, I talk in small groups. Like, there's a lot of practical nature to it, but we kind of push aside the spiritual nature of what it truly means to be a Christian, the spiritual side of Jesus really changing us. The spiritual side of, of, as we're going to talk about tonight, that you were dead in your sin, held accountable to your sin, dead. Like you would die and go to hell. And yet now Jesus has saved you. You are now risen with him. And now you are this new creation. Something spiritual has happened because you can accept Jesus tonight. And the fact is you're still who you are. Right? Jack Brown is still Jack Brown if he accepts Jesus tonight. I don't know if he will or not, but we'll see. <laughs> the fact is, like, he's still Jack Brown. Right? You're still you. I'm still Josh. But something spiritual has happened in me. Something has changed me. Something genuine has changed me from dead to alive. From, from one that is seeking after my own purpose and my own kingdom to one that is now seeking after Christ. And it's a spiritual nature. And so what we're going to go in tonight, and really the title tonight, is this idea of, of a genuine spiritual living is built on the, on the believer's association with the risen Christ. Okay? Now this is the foundation of most of chapter 3, is that a genuine spiritual living, right, or spiritual living in Jesus, is built on a believer's association with the risen Christ. Meaning, for you to be a spiritual Christian, for you to be a, a genuinely spiritual person, it means you have to associate with Jesus. You have to have a relationship with him. You cannot be a spiritually mature Christian. You cannot spiritually grow and mature as, as a Christian unless you have a genuine relationship with Jesus. Okay? Ultimately, this verses 1 through 4 kind of breaks it down a little bit more by saying genuine spiritual experience begins with understanding our identity with Christ. So not just necessarily our relationship, that's more of a broader view of chapter 3, but verses 1 through 4 is more of your identity with Christ, your identification with Jesus. Now when I say identification, some of you older high schoolers, what do you guys think of? ID, right? Driver's license, right? How many of you guys get your driver's license in here, right? Well, high school. I know you got your driver's license, Luke. <laughs> Luke's like, I got it. <laughs> I meant like high schoolers, right? So if some of you high schoolers have your driver's license, no, you don't, um, right? So Mario Kart doesn't count. Sorry. Mario Kart does not count. All right, all right. So the idea here, 
So if we're, if we're asking the question or we're looking at the statement, genuine spiritual experience begins with understanding our identification with Christ. Basically, it's taking that, that, broad, that broad understanding of chapter 3, that is this idea of, of associating with Jesus right, to mature, and bring it down to, well, if I want to be a spiritual person, then I have to identify with Jesus. I have to have a genuine identification with Jesus. Now, all t- like, like I said, driver's license or school pictures, right? Who loves their school pictures, right? Who has horrible school pictures, right? Hi, yeah, you guys, all right. Well, here's a, here's a meme for you guys, or here's something for you guys. Like, here's some great ones, right? You can, yeah, isn't this great? Like, yeah. No, none of them are mine. None of those ones are mine. Yeah. The guy, we got the guy up there with the shaved half beard, shaved half head. I don't know. I mean, it looks like it's true. British Columbia. Yeah. You guys, if I could have, if I could have, if I could have gotten into my, if I could have gotten into my pictures at my mom's house, that would have been me, but with a flat top. Like I had like the most blonde flat top when I was about that kid's age. But these are great, right? I mean, this girl over here looks like the exorcist going on. Like, I don't know. It's, uh, it's something else, right? But, and you can, uh, you can literally like Google, you know, goofy driver's license pictures, school pictures, or horrible school pictures. And it's just, it's pages on Google, right? But let's look at something, okay? All right, so shh. Say what? What'd you say? So, it will. Don't worry. <laughs> I won't. I won't. So shh. So, but hey, what does identification mean? All right, listen, shh. What does identification mean? What does this really tell us? What does this really tell us? So I'm going to have mine up there right now. <laughs> uh, uh, you can take a photo. You can take a photo. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is my current driver's license right now. This is my current one. It is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right all right so stop norman yep um i know i look like i should be making moonshine up in arkansas you know like yeah so all right so shh. listen up shh. jamie has a be- jamie looks better he does that picture is horrible okay so shh. but what is hey shh. so we're looking at the statement genuine spiritual experience begins with understanding our identification with jesus now, this is a physical identification. This is what a card tells us, right? It tells you my date of birth, right? It tells you my full name, right? Joshua Norman Shively, right? It gives you my P.O. box, okay? Shh, all right? It gives you what, what level, okay, guys, it gives me what level of license I have that I can drive, you know, that I'm a male, right? That I'm 5'8", I'm, I'm more 5'7 and 3 quarters, but, hey, I can say 5'8", right? Uh, you know, blue eyes, blonde hair, 200 pounds. Like, like this, is, this is my identification. Shh. What? I was then. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, shh. <laughs> all right. It's okay. I don't mind. Um, all right. This is what an identification is. Shh. Okay, come back to me. It just tells details. It just says details about who you are, right? If you were to look at your, your school ID, it would say what school you go to, what grades you're in, right? If you have a California ID, it does a lot of the same thing. If you have a passport, same type of idea. It's just giving your identification. But the fact is, if we're looking at this statement again, genuine spiritual experience begins with understanding our identification with Christ. Then, then if this identification just kind of tells everything that Josh is, 
our identification with Christ kind of does something similar, but on a spiritual nature. Now, don't get me wrong, you will physically manifest that identification with Jesus. You will physically manifest the spiritual nature of who Jesus is, right? Your characters won't just be, oh, he's got blonde hair and blue eyes, but your characteristics will be like, that man walks with grace. That, that woman walks with forgiveness. They have mercy. They have kindness. They have love. They speak truth. These will be what your identification card says with Jesus, but ultimately, it's a spiritual change. It's a spiritual ID. It's a spiritual description more than this. So let's go back to the scripture off of my picture now. Uh, uh, let's go back to the scripture there. Hey, if you didn't take a picture by now, shh, you can't look at my ugly mug all night. It's right here, guys. It's right here, okay? The idea, shh. all right, I did not realize that would talk, you guys talk so much. Shh. Okay, so let's go to the scripture and see what this says as Paul lays out this identification to the Colossians. Now to us, what does it mean for you to identify with Christ, Charlie Mills? Wyatt, put away your phone, right? I saw heads, like, leaning over, so, um, yeah. The fact is, what does it mean for you to identify with Jesus? What, what does this description come to? So, verses 1 and 2, again, Paul says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are of the earth. So this is the first description of your identification with Jesus. So what does it say about us? What does it say about you and me? What does it say about us? Well, it says that our mentality is to be raised with Jesus, and our heart is to be seeking things from above. If you look at these two things that Paul says, raised with Christ and things that are above. These would be two things that would identify you with Jesus, that you are no longer dead to who you have been, but you are now raised with Christ. You are now at a place that Christ is. We know that he was perfect. We know that he was the son of God. We know that he died for the sins of man. We can look at his life through the gospels and he raised the bar, didn't he guys? Right? He raised the bar, not just on the fact that he was perfect in God, but he raised the bar on just what it meant to be human, on how to live as a human being. Not just a human that does or a human that just exists, but a human being that is living and thriving. We look at Jesus, and his example causes us to raise. It raises the bar. And then ultimately, that our thought pattern, our worldview, the way that we view this life is not just on things of the earth, not just on dirt and rock and what this life is like just consists of, but on godly things, right, on who God has called us to be. Now, so basically, if it's our mentality is to be raised with Christ, our heart is to be seeking things from above, then how is our identity based so much on Jesus? How do we do this? How do we walk in this way? Well, ultimately, you will either see yourself based on what has happened to you or on what Jesus has done for you. See, so many people, you guys, so many people walk in this life and build an identity for themselves that are all based on what has happened to them, right? What, what they've been through in their life, what their parents have done, the choices their parents have made. The fact is that so much of their life they just kind of identify by, well, I'm this person because this happened to me. Because these circumstances caused me to be like this. Because choices I made or choices that people made over me that I didn't have any control of. And so the rest of their life, they identify with those things, things that have happened. But see, as Christians, what we do and what we get to do as we identify with Jesus is we no longer just identify, yes, those things happened. Yes, those are real scars and real wounds, but yet we give them to Jesus, and now we identify with him. We are no longer identified by what, by what happened to us, but now we identify 
on what Jesus has done for us. And what this causes us to do is to be raised with Jesus. We're no longer just a human, but we are now this human that is thriving. Bronson, knock it off. We are this human that is thriving because Jesus thrived for us, because he did what he did on the cross, because he lived the way that he lived, okay? Also, who you are will either find identity on earthly things or on heavenly things. So this whole thing of, of things that are above rather than things that are of the earth, like who you are, right, who you are tonight, you will either find identity on just like an earthly plane, right? Your identity will be based on your interests or your hobbies, the music you like, you know, the, the sports you're into. You know, it's, it's kind of this idea that you'll find like this level with the water that you're seeking, okay? Like you ever heard that saying, water seeks its own level? In that essence, whatever you're looking for in this life, whatever you're really seeking, that's where you'll kind of find that level, okay? So if you are just a gamer, that's all you are, then your identity will be in games. That's just who you will be. If you're just a jock, you're all about sports, and the fact is that's it's all you focus on, that's all you seek after, then that's what you will be, all right? I remember back in, in my kind of high school days, it was, like, it was like there was a real section of people, and especially in high school, but it was more based on music, so it's like you were a punk rocker because you listened to punk rock. You were, you were a hick because you listened to country, right? And like that's who you hung out with. That was your identity. It was so based on music. It was crazy. But see, the thing is, you will find that identity in the things that you, you seek. But yet, to find our identity in Jesus, we need to seek the things that are above. And what does this look like? What does this look like? What do we seek that's above more than the things that are below? And a lot of those things, you guys, games, sports, music, all those things aren't bad, but they can't be your identity, Christians. They can't be the sole thing that you find your identity in. It has to be things on above. And ultimately, we look to Jesus for those things. See, a Christian will desire to be identified with Jesus, and that will manifest in things like grace. You will walk with grace. You'll have an understanding that you are not surrounded by a bunch of morons, but you're surrounded by a bunch of people that are broken, that they're wounded, they're trying to live this life just like you are, and they need Jesus just as much as you do. You'll have grace for the people around you. You'll have grace for, for the, the mistakes people make, the wounds that they have, the isms that they have, the habits that they have. You'll have grace for those around you. You won't just have condemnation. You'll have forgiveness. You'll have forgiveness, you guys. This is such a root of what it means to be a Christian, not just because we forgive because we're Christians, but we forgive because we've encountered the God that forgives. And this has to be something that, that identifies who you are because you've been forgiven so much by Jesus. So when someone offends you, be quick to forgive them. Not that you need to be a doormat and let them stomp on you every day, but the fact is you need to be quick to forgive because you've been quick to be, to be forgiven by Jesus. Three, we have purpose. Our identity with Jesus, it is a purpose that, that is higher than any other purpose you can find in this life. Jesus is better than. You guys sang that song. I heard you say it with your voices tonight. You are better than. Right? You are better than Jesus. Better than what? Better than anything you can put in that place. But ultimately, it gives you purpose. Your identity with Jesus brings purpose. For a long time, my license had a class A license on it, which meant... Uh, and I had a tanker and passenger endorsement and air brake endorsement uh, and hazmat. I could drive anything on the road, literally, for a long time of my life. And, and that was an identity about me, right? The card said Class A license, but so you look into that and it's, it's oh, he can, that means he can drive 
all these different things. I had a motorcycle endorsement on it too for a while. It's the fact is like you could drive all these things. Now, it's kind of like to say like I'm a Christian and I have purpose. Someone could read that and go, okay, that's cool. But then what does that mean? Well, my purpose is greater than myself. It's about not being selfish. It's about understanding that God has a plan for my life. God has a plan for everybody's life, those that would come to him. My, plan, or my purpose is to serve Jesus because he's got a better plan than I can do for myself. Do you see what I'm saying? Though it just says purpose, you dig in and it means a little bit more. So this is the first part of this genuine identity with Christ. And let's continue on in verse 3 where he says, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Okay. Now, what, again, what does this say about us? What does verse 3 say about us? If, if we have died, but our life is now hidden with Christ, and if you're not a Christian here tonight and you're, it's your first time here and you're like, wait, you're dead, but you're alive, what does that mean? What is Paul talking about? Well, let's get into that. Well, basically it says our identity are based in a past reality, a present truth, and a future expectation. Okay. Now, outside of Jesus, your identity is still based on things that have happened, things that you say about yourself right now, and then future things that will happen to you or choices you make, okay? But see, in Christ, it doesn't necessarily change, but now it's based on what he has done, okay? So again, you have died, your life is hidden, but is hidden with Christ in God. So now it's, I was dead to my sin, that's the past, right? Or I was, I was a sinner, I was destined for hell, that was the past. The present now is that I, am, I was dead, but now I'm alive because of what Jesus has done for me. And what Jesus did on that cross, re- conquering sin and then resurrecting three days later and now conquering death. And the future expectation is that the work that Jesus started in me will continue. He's going to complete this amazing work that he's started in me, whether it's tonight or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. That work will be completed. So what does it mean to die and be identified with Jesus? Because those are kind of a contradiction, Right? Like to have an ID, to have a driver's license, a valid driver's license, you got to be living, okay? Sorry, it doesn't, none of the lines on there said, oh, he's deceased. <laughs> like it doesn't work that way. So you have to be living, but yet Paul says you were dead, but you're alive in Jesus. So what does that mean to be dead, but yet be identified with Jesus? Well, first off, you're dead to sin. And I want to cover this for a minute because Romans 6.2, and if you have a chance to go back and look at that later, describes the fact that you, you are a sinner, <laughs> You were born a sinner. You, you have a sin nature. It's the easiest thing for you and I to do is to sin. To disobey, to have, a, to have rebellion in our hearts, it is just the easiest thing to do. It's just nature. And if you don't believe me, you've never worked with a toddler. Right? Like toddler, it's just no. Like they love that word. The toddler creed. Whatever I've seen is mine. Whatever is in this room is mine. If I've touched it once, I've walked away, and you go to touch it, it's mine, right? It's just, this, it's just like anything is mine. But there's this, this sin nature we have. And because of that, we're accountable to it because we've rebelled against God, and in that, we are dead. Outside of Jesus, you are accountable for your sin, you're accountable for your actions, and so you have death over you, all right? You stink of a rotting corpse. You just do. But now what this means to be alive in Christ, or I'm sorry, and then continue, which means that the believer is no longer under the influence of sin's dominion. So as we now exit that death, right, we're no longer a stinking corpse, but we are now alive in Christ. You have breath in your lungs. You have blood pumping through your heart. Your synapses in your brain is firing. You have gone from the sin having dominion and death over you to a place of now life. 
to where Jesus now has covered that sin. He paid the cost for it. He held himself accountable to it. So now you are not accountable to the death that was there because of sin. See, Paul Paul told the Colossians one chapter earlier in chapter 2 that they had died with Christ to the basic principle of the world, okay? Which means that the believer is not subject to the cosmic powers of darkness, the old order of things, slavery, slavery to sin and evil forces is gone. Ultimately, now to live in Christ, you guys, see, the spiritual nature of this, it's not just that I stand up here and I say that I'm, I'm no longer dead to sin but alive in Christ, but literally, I do not have to let sin and bad habits and, and, and evil things hold me anymore. They don't have to. I don't, I don't have to let, let sin nature be something that chains me down any longer because of what Jesus has done. Yes, I will be tempted. Yes, I will struggle. There will be seasons when I fall or maybe my guard is really up right here on this level, but yet the, the enemy sneaks in and this old habit comes in. That comes, it just surprises you sometimes. Yes, like sin will always be there, but I no longer have to be enslaved to it. I no longer have to let it bind me and hold me because of what Christ has done. Second there, a believer's life is hidden with Christ and God. Now this is a beautiful saying, a beautiful play on words that Paul says. Basically, this is a reassurance, reassurance to the believer that yes, you will sin. You were dead to, dead to sin or dead in sin, but now alive in Christ. Yes, you will still continue to struggle, but your life, this new life you have with Jesus, is hidden with Jesus in God. And basically, it's like this double like protection. It's like if Jesus was a chest that like covered you and and held you, and then he went into a bigger chest that covered you and held you. It's like Jesus holds you, but because Jesus is accountable to God and that work from the cross, you are also in God. It's like this double whammy over your life that Jesus is doing the work in you, but yet God has you. The God that created the universe, the God of all cosmic authority and power, like covers even Jesus and covers you. It's this beautiful play on words that, that Paul gives us because it just brings us this insane assurance of who we are. You are in Jesus, and he is in the Father, a double protection. I love it. I love it. All right. Where am I at? Sorry, I kind of lost track here. See, basically, guys, the security, the security a believer has when their life and personhood is identified with Jesus it surpasses any other type of security you can find in this life. This double security that Paul talks about, it, is, it, it literally is greater than anything else, greater than any other type of security. And, and we find security in all kinds of things as humans. We find security in money. We find security in popularity, security in the way that we dress. Right? Like, I don't know about you, but when I exit the house and I, I know I look good, right, I've got more security. I don't know, it's stupid. But anyway, the fact is, like, like, our minds work in this place of trying to find security constantly. If our friends are at youth group, we feel, feel more secure, right? We step into that group, like my buds are here, right? Like, like if I dress a certain way, if I've, if I've had a good day, it's, it's, we find security in all kinds of things. When you have a relationship one day of a boyfriend or a girlfriend, the fact is you find security with that person. But see, all these things, from money to relationships to, to substance, you guys, the fact is none of it compares to the security we have in Jesus. Lastly, moving on to verse 4, you guys, what we have is when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also appear with him in glory. 
Now, what does it say about God? It says that he is not just an identification for our life, but life itself. Where that license I showed you guys, it was just an identity of Joshua Shively, right? Joshua Norman Shively, right? It was just this idea of this is who he is. But it's not my life. If that card was ripped up or I lost it, the fact is, like, it's not my life. It's not the, the, the air in my lungs or the blood in my veins. But yet God, our identity with God, Christians, it is not just, it's not just this physical identity, but it is your life. So why is it important for a believer to see who we are in Jesus? Why is it important for you to know that your identity is secure in Jesus? Well, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, uh, I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave me, gave himself for me. See, this beautiful promise that Jesus has given himself for you. That he says, I don't just want you to have identity in me, but I want you to be me on this earth. I want you to walk and to talk and to love. I want you to show people this good news. In essence, how Jesus came being the manifestation of God's character in the flesh to human beings, that is now our job, Christians. That is now our identity. I don't just show you a card that says Christian, but my life exemplifies Jesus' life. It exemplifies his identity. Who he is. It's like, in essence, you take my identity there, Joshua Norman Shively, that license, and you put like this filament over it that is just Jesus. And that filament just kind of covers any type of blemish, right? Any type of, any type of rawness, any type of non-grace, non-forgiveness, non-purpose that my life has. That filament just covers it. And my identity, when people look at it, they don't just see Joshua, but now they see Jesus. This is who we are with him. Also in Philippians 1.21, Paul says, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For the believer, life isn't merely actively, I'm sorry, so Paul says, for to, me, uh, to, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And what this is, is for the believer, for you and I, life isn't merely actively details or at, being active and having details about you. But life isn't just, just acquisition and accomplishment, but life is Christ. He is the focus of our aspirations, the reasons for our existence. See, your identity isn't just this physical card or this physical, like, word of Christian, right? I'm a Christian or I go to church, but it's this inward expression. It's this inward spiritual work that's changing you to be more like Jesus. So when someone looks at you, they don't just see you, but they see Jesus. Now, as we finish up, Basically, what we saw tonight from these four verses is four times in four verses, Paul mentioned Christ. Every one of these verses, you guys, every one of these verses that he talks about identity, he mentions Jesus. He mentions Jesus. Jesus is central and supreme. As a believer, our lives are to be fully and complete, complete identified with him. In this, we find what it means to be spiritually minded. Ultimately, when we, when we ask that first question, right, that first question Where'd it go? Genuine spiritual experience begins with understanding our identification with Jesus. When we look at that first statement, it ultimately comes down to Jesus being supreme and being, being central in who you are. Being your Lord, being your Savior, being who you are about. This is ultimately what it means to have your identity in Jesus. Right? It is this we find that it means to be spiritually minded. Now, my application tonight for you is a basic one. But I'd love to hear some of these next week. 
based on what you experienced, what, you, what act of obedience is God asking you to take. Okay, so I would encourage you guys, if you didn't grab one of those the notes in the back, grab one of those notes. I'd love to hear from some of you next week as you finish this, this sentence, I will blank. Right? Something that God convicted you of, something that God is calling you to. I would love to hear that. Even leaders, you guys, I'd love to hear some of yours for next week. All right, what, did, what did God do as you stepped into this? And then our small group questions tonight. You can go over those later. So, Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing here. God, we thank you. <laughs> Isn't that a good one? Yeah. I try to just pray through it, but yeah. I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I was going to say why. It looks a little bit like you, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. No, when you were like four, I could see you as this chubby little guy that's like, yeah. Yeah. All right. Shh. All right. Father, we thank you so much for this night. We thank you for your teaching, God, this word. Let small groups just be a blessing and just kind of an, uh, an exploration of, of this teaching and these four verses from the book of Colossians, God. We praise you. We worship you in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you at Youth Group on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. If you'd like more information about JFY or have a question, reach out to us at joshuas at calvary.com or DM us on Instagram at ymcalvary.